بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في الأرضين أجل الله تعالى فرجه الشريف وجعلنا من أعوانه أنصر uh, Alhamdulillah, we are able to start our session on Tafsir of Surah Tuqman and I am sorry that I am late The words that inshallah we want to reflect on today is the verse 17 If you remember in the last session we talked about the verse 16 which was the advice of Luqman to his son about the uh, fact that everything whether it is something clear or something hidden makes no difference everything would be recorded and registered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and on the day of judgment Allah would bring it and make it present so basically Luqman wanted his son to remember the fact that everything that he does or he thinks uh, would be something which he has to be accountable for after that we come to the verse 17 which is the verse we want to talk about it today A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Ar-Rajim Ya Bunayya Aqim As-Salata Wa'amur Bil-Ma'roof Wanha Anil Munkar Wasbir Ala Ma Asabak Inna Thalika Min Azmil Umur This is one verse but full of very important ideas and Luqman has actually started giving some recommendations some instructions to his son with regard to the most important actions he says my son Establish the prayer. This is very important. He doesn't say, My son, just remember God. No, he actually goes further and chooses Salat, which is the ritual prayer which is the best form of remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and as we know this existed even before Islam Luqman refers to Salat Isa ala nabiyyina wa alihi wa alihi salam also referred to Salat he said right at the time of his birth when wanted to introduce himself to the people he said among different things he mentioned was that my lord 
has instructed me to be praying and to give alms as long as I am alive. So Salat is something which existed before Islam, but of course maybe the style and the form of the ritual prayer was different. But the principle of having ritual prayer was there. So Luqman asked his son that you should establish prayer, ritual, regular prayer. And he uses the term also which when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to translate it in Arabic and reports to us uses aqim which comes from iqamah salat in many many verses of the Quran we have this concept of iqamah salat like aqimus salat muqimus salat means to establish the prayer to put the prayer in its right position and as we know Salat is very important and we say in Adhan and Iqamah It is the best of actions This is the action by which we can establish relation between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and at the same time between us and other believers recently I had a question why we need to use the exact words which are recommended in fiqh for saying our prayer or establishing our prayer if prayer is to talk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so why we cannot choose the words that we want to use to pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so why I cannot for example say my prayer in Farsi another person in Arabic another person in Urdu another person in English and also not only different languages but different words different length and the answer which I gave was that prayer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Talking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no limit. You can talk anytime, in any language, in any place, that's okay. But the regular prayer, the ritual prayer, is not only your speech, your conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the conversation of a whole community with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
every member of the community, whether he lives in the east or west, speaks to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on behalf of the community. And therefore, whether we are saying our prayer in congregation or as individual, right from the beginning of Salat, we use plural forms. For example, we say, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدْ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ اِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمَ We only worship you, we only ask assistance from you. Please guide us to the right path. So everything is plural. Up to the end when we say Assalamu alayna wa ala ibadillahi salihin Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Everything is plural. And therefore we are speaking on behalf of the whole community. And for sure the best prayer is the one which is performed in congregation. So, when we say prayer in this way, not only it should bring us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it should also bring us closer to each other. So, wherever you are, wherever you travel, you find members of the community of the faithful speaking with the same language, with the same mentality, stressing on the same facts and this is also another important aspect of Salat that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself has chosen the most important aspects of our faith whether it relates to doctrines or practices and ask us to review it on a daily basis several times so that we don't forget our priorities so Prayer is very important to speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very important but the regular or ritual prayer, the daily prayer is of utmost importance to form the community of the faithful. To bring the community closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Luqman instructed his son to establish the prayer. And then he said, Va'amur bil ma'roof wanha anil munkar. Enjoin what is ma'roof, what is good, and forbid what is wrong. No matter how old you are, no matter whether you are a young person, or a middle-aged person, or an old person, you have the responsibility of being careful and concerned about the practice of other members of the community. 
you should feel responsible when you see that another person is failing to perform his obligations or is performing something which is against his obligations. It's not only an Islamic principle, it is a universal principle which is very rational and existed before Islam, as we see that Luqman was giving this instruction. When you have a good quality, even if it is a physical quality, for example, like health, if you are healthy and you see that someone is not observing the requirements of being healthy, for example, he is eating something which is harmful or he fails to eat or drink something which is good and necessary for his health. So rationally you have to be careful and you have to advise, you have to help, you have to do whatever you can do to make sure that that person would be assisted in being healthy. Or for example, if someone in your school, if your classmate for example, or one of your students, or one of your friends, is not studying properly and you are a good for example friend or a good classmate and you want to give him some help so you have to be very careful and you have to be very much considerate about this person and you have to tell him why you don't study properly or for example if he's wasting his time why do you waste your time so it's not only something religious it's a rational responsibility it's a human responsibility to advise what is good and to ask people to stop what is bad and interestingly the words which are used in Islamic literature and in particular in the Quran and of course in Hadith but in the Quran itself Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has used these two words Ma'roof and Munkar Ma'roof means something which is considered to be good something which is considered to be nice to be beautiful and Munkar means something which is recognized to be bad to be ugly to be disliked so it's very important that it is not only just good it's not something which is in reality good or bad it is also recognized to be good or bad so it means that there is an element of social or you can say universal recognition of what is good and bad because most of the things I'm not saying all the for example actions 
all the things that religiously we have to do are like this but most of them the main ones the major ones that we have to do are the ones that every person would understand even without having assistance or guidance from revelation and it's not something very difficult and complicated for example to tell the truth to be honest to be helpful to keep your promises not to harm people not to mistreat them not to violate their rights not to betray not to break your promises to be organized to be supportive of your parents or to be supportive of your children to be supportive of your fellow human beings these are the things which are not very difficult to understand you don't need to be a muslim you don't need to be for example even islamically educated to know these things these are very universal values that most of us would understand whether we are religious or not whether we are muslims or not and these are ma'roof or munkar those virtues are ma'roof and the vices are munkar so we have to observe our responsibilities with respect to the virtues our responsibility is to perform them to acquire them to obtain them with respect to vices our responsibility is to keep far from them and of course we being honored by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by having Islam as our faith by having the Quran by having the Sharia we understand much more uh, details of what is good and what is bad but as I said the major things the most fundamental things are things that are not very difficult to understand and every human being would understand these are ma'roof means something which is recognized to be good something which is appreciated and those opposite ones are munkar something which we don't like it we dislike we find it ugly so Luqman is in a sense telling his son that you must not only be concerned with your own performance it is very important for example that you establish your prayer but don't forget that you are a member of a community don't forget that you have social responsibilities it's not just enough if you are doing okay you have to make sure that you help your brothers and sisters your fellow human beings and then he says wasbir ala ma asabak this is another thing that is very important he says be patient bear with patient constancy ala ma asabak no matter what is going to happen to you about everything that may happen to you be patient through whatever may visit you whatever may happen to you 
it can be something very very painful and difficult and bitter or can be something very joyful you can be rich you can be poor you can be healthy you can be ill you can be respected and have good reputation or you may be forsaken by people it makes no difference under all circumstances you have to be patient that is indeed the steadiest of courses. This patience is something which is an outcome of being determined, or as it is interpreted in different way. It is something which is great. According to some commentators of the Quran, this dhalika refers to patience, which is the last one, and some have mentioned that this relates to all these salat, amr al-ma'roof, nahi an al-munkar, and patience. So to four of them. But it seems more likely to go to the to refer to the last one, which is patience. So to be patient is something which is great and needs great determination. Indeed, the Quran says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa that he should be patient like the prophets who were ulul azm fasbir kama sabara ulul azm min ar-rusul be patient like the way that the prophets of great determination used to be like noah like ibrahim like moses like jesus these are called ulul azm because you know among all different prophets five prophets are recognized as ulul azm Noah, ibrahim moses jesus and prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam so the prophet muhammad like those four previous prophets were ulul azm means the people of great determination and if you are very determined you will be patient because you cannot make any success without patience and patience is very very important to the extent that in hadith is said that as-sabr min al-iman bi manzilat ar-ra's min al-jasad patience for faith for iman for religiosity is like head for body in the same sense that you cannot remain alive without body you cannot be faithful without patience and again in our hadith <coughs> patience is divided into three patience can be with respect to performance of our responsibilities for example to be able to say your prayer 
under all circumstances needs patience to fast sometimes it can be very long days sometimes it can be warm it can be even hot it can be thirsty needs patience to observe hijab needs patience to give alms and zakat and homes needs patience so performance of our obligations needs patience refraining from prohibited actions needs patience not to commit sin not to tell lies not to betray not to break your promise not to do bad things so we have to be patient all the time then when calamities happen we have to be patient because sometimes you may be ill sometimes you may be very um, poor sometimes you may lose your dear ones so you have to be very patient so under all circumstances we have to be patient and interestingly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran those who are patient would be rewarded without measure so Luqman is giving all these important advices to his son about prayer about enjoying the good and prohibiting the bad and about patience and then by knowing these things you would not be surprised that Luqman is considered to be Hakim in such short sentences he's mentioning all the important and fundamental issues that every person needs to be faithful okay let us stop here and have some time for your questions we already have some questions from previous session so inshallah next week we will continue with the verse 18 so just once more let me read the verse 17 that we discussed tonight and pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we also would be able to establish the prayer to enjoy the good and prohibit the bad and be always patient Ya Bunaya, Akim Salat, Wamur Bil Maruf, Wanha Anil Munkar, Wasper Alama Asabak, and Nadalikam and Azmil Umur. Okay, now let us see what questions you have. If there is connection, so please, Brother Hussein, send me the questions.
one question that I remember from the previous session was about performance of Salatul Layl that one of the brothers or sisters asked that when we say our uh, Salatul Layl therefore we wake up early so when people ask us when do you wake up and if we say that for example we wake up so early they would wonder and ask why you wake up so early so if we want to tell them we are worried that maybe then we would lose the purity of our intention and if we don't say they would be confused the answer is that we should try to uh, not make public and you know something that everyone realizes that, that we, if we are doing salatul late as a preference as a personal you know preference it's better to keep it hidden but there are some cases in which there is no problem if we mention it to other people even sometimes maybe good for example if someone asks you and you know if you don't explain why you wake up so early you may be confused so it's good to explain to him or sometimes to uh, encourage people especially the youths or you know teenagers or your children sometimes it's good to mention so that they realize that there is such a uh, habit and such a custom hello oh you don't have me online okay when did you lose me okay so sh shall i restart pardon Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. I think you didn't hear me when I started to give answer to questions. So the first question which we had from last week is, uh, you know, when we perform Salatul Layl or Namaz Shab, so we should try to keep it, you know, something um, personal and you know something not known by others, so that our intention would remain pure. But, you know, sometimes, you know, people may ask and if, you know, when do you wake up, if you say, you know, so early and don't explain why, they may be, you know, wondering why and they may be confused. So the answer is that uh, although it is good to, you know, keep it hidden that you perform Salatul Layl uh, so that your intention, inshallah, would remain pure, but it doesn't mean that under all circumstances you must do so if you are sure about your intention so it's not bad to mention to other people and sometimes even maybe good so that you encourage other people and it becomes you know something uh, which is a normal practice of the community so if there is any genuine reason so you can you know mention to other people we have to be very careful about our own purity in our heart the second question from last week is can sadaqah go to a member of family 
who needs, of course, you can give sadaqa to a member of family who needs. If that member of family is someone who is dependent on you, indeed it is wajib. For example, your parents, if they need you know your finance and financial help, you must give them. Even you know, you may not even mention this as a sadaqa. This is your uh, you know wajib. But for example, you know, a relative who is not dependent on you, if he needs, yes, you can give him as a sadaqa. Uh, question three, respected Sheikh Salam, please can you shed some light on as to why we combine Zuhr and As and Maghrib and Isha? Yes, we have uh, this mentioned in Hadith uh, of all Muslims from different schools of Islam that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to combine the prayer of Zuhr and Asr or Maghrib and Isha even when he was not traveling or there was no rain or problem because in some schools of Islam in their fiqh, in their jurisprudence they accept that under some circumstances like when you are traveling or when you are in Arafat or when there is rain you can combine Zuhr and Asr and Maghrib and Shah to this extent they all accept but they limit it to these uh, you know, cases but there are hadiths that even mentioned in Saha that the Prophet used to combine Zuhr and Asr and Maghrib and Shah even when there was no such a problem or such you know circumstances and for example, there is hadith that Ibn Abbas, who is respected by all Muslims, you know, when he uh, wanted to say the prayer together, so he was asked by some people, why you combine them? And he said, this is what was happening in the time of the Prophet Muhammad So basically what we believe is that the prayer of Zohr has some exclusive time and that is the time at the beginning of Zohr which is enough for performance of prayer of Zohr. So for example if your responsibility is to pray for Rakah, you are not a traveler. So the first few minutes which is enough for performance of four Rakah is exclusive to Zohr. You cannot say Asr at that time. And then before just before the time of prayer finishes it's exclusive to asr in between we have what we call the common time so in the common time you can perform zohr and asr right one after each other and this does not mean that you have to combine we don't say you have to combine we say if it is in this common time, you can combine them and it is permissible and it is okay, it's valid, but at the same time we say, in this common time, there is a time in which it's better to pray your prayer of Zohr. We call Vaqtul Fadila. And 
it is a time that there is a time which is better to perform your Salatul Asr. The same with Maghrib and Isha. So basically, we have exclusive time, we have common time, and more specifically, we have Waqtul Fadila, which is the time in which it is recommended to pray Zohar and ask for Maghrib and Isha. So we, as the followers of Ahlul Bayt, we say that if people want to combine Maghrib and Isha or Zohar and Asr, they can do so under all circumstances, but it is better if they say each prayer in its own recommended time, Zohar in its Fadila and also Asr in its Fadila. But if, for example, you want to say your prayer of Zohar and ask in congregation in Jama'ah and the Jama'ah would not take place twice because it's very difficult for people to come together so it's better to say them together in Jama'ah rather than saying each in its Fazila individually and Alhamdulillah this has caused many people to attend Jama'ah or at least to say the prayer if you insist on saying prayer separately then some of the people who have difficult jobs or some of the youths may not say their prayer and may make it as an excuse not to say their prayer so we have to be flexible as much as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has permitted we cannot make halal haram or haram halal. We have to just observe the requirements of Sharia. So Sharia says that you can combine them. This was the habit of the Prophet. Sometimes he used to combine them. Sometimes he used to uh, not combine them. And then we recommend people that if you can say in the recommended time, it would be better. Question. For Salam Alaikum, Alaikum Assalam Rahmatullah. When whatever may visit you could be hardship and we should be a patient, does the hardship that visit do we have to consider this as a test from Allah or is it a punishment for our sins? That we, yeah, very good question. Yes, the hardship that ha happens to us is definitely a test. Everything indeed is a test whether it is hardship or ease. Everything is a test. What does it mean that it is a test? It doesn't mean that it's specifically planned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for me. If you want to think that, you know, for example, this is something that Allah wanted, you know, to happen to you. No, maybe you know, Allah sometimes doesn't want this to happen. For example, if someone misbehaves, if someone mistreats me, it's not something that Allah wants. It's not something that Allah recommended. But this has happened to me. But still, this can be a test for me. Of course, from a philosophical, theological point of view, we know that everything which happens is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has permitted to happen. Without his permission, nothing would happen. But this doesn't mean that he's happy with that. He's pleased with that. In other words, we have legislative will of Allah and generative will of Allah. So, legislatively, Allah may be against this. But still, Allah wants people to be free and 
would not stop them if they want to do something wrong because this is good at the end for all of us to be free if Allah stops people from having the freedom then it would not be possible to have human life and those potentials for infinite perfections in any case sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not pleased with something but still it happens and still it can be a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to see what I'm going to do you know for example sometimes I use this example you are getting driving like uh, you know lessons so you are driving and next to you is your instructor and you are driving very carefully and you reach for example a junction or a you know crossroad then a driver who is careless all of a sudden you know comes out and you have here to be very careful if you are not careful in your driving you may have accident okay so this is a test for you to see whether you are a good driver or not whether you are going to lose your temper or your control or not so this is a test but did your instructor plan this in the sense that he asked someone else to come and make this trouble for you no he didn't plan this but in the end it's part of your t lesson it's part of your training and indeed the reason he takes you to different you know roads and streets it's because he wants you to be tested he wants you to have real experience of driving not just to for example drive uh, with a computer so everything which happens to us is a test what does it mean it means that it is an opportunity to progress but if you are not careful the same thing can be a case of failure so this is the meaning of test it means that something which is an opportunity for success if you are careful and if you are not successful then you may fail so we have to always take these opportunities to add to what we already have and among the best opportunities that we have for progress and for success are those times in which we have some suffering in which we have some problems we have some difficulties if we remain patient and we act wisely in such circumstances we would gain a lot we would great, gain great things that we would not be able to gain when we are in ease and this is something that can be easily understood from the Quran and Hadith that what a patient believer achieves through patience cannot be compared to anything else the other question uh, the other side of the question was <clears throat> is it necessarily a punishment for some of our sins no sometimes you suffer sometimes there are difficulties there is hardship not because of your sins when the prophet ayub suffered and he remained you know patient and you know he became an example a role model of patience some people used to annoy him by saying that the reason you are suffering is because you have done something wrong but this is not the case we know that people sometimes suffer because of their sins yes it is possible but not always indeed 
the very good mu'mineen, the very pious people, even the prophets may suffer. Not only they may suffer, indeed, according to our hadith, the prophets suffered more than anyone else. Ashaddun nas bala'an al-anbiya. The people who had greatest calamities and suffering were the prophets. Then the people who were closer to them in rank, they suffered the next. And among the prophets, our prophet suffered more than any other prophet. He said, Ma misla ma No prophet was troubled, was annoyed like me. So, to suffer is not a sign of being a sinful person. To suffer can have different reasons. Sometimes you suffer because you are a great personality. You are very pious. You are a person who has principles in his life. So you suffer. So we should not have a you know bad uh, image or bad you know opinion about people who suffer. And you should not think that these are sinful people who are suffering. No, sometimes they can be the best people of the world who are suffering. The next question is. Uh, wasn't Prophet Musa a very angry person and not so patient? No, the Prophet Musa was very patient and he was one of the prophets of great determination. But sometimes he had to be very strong and sometimes he had to exercise a kind of anger to discipline and to educate. But he himself was very careful not to go to the extremes and those verses of the Quran which some people may misinterpret as Prophet Musa did something wrong or committed a sin are very nicely explained in our hadith especially for example from Imam Raza salam, in a conversation that he had with Ma'mun when Ma'mun asked him about all these verses and Imam salam, made it clear that none of the prophets ever disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or committed a sin. So those verses are mutashabih and they have to be understood in the light of muhkamat, which are the mother of the book, Ummul Kitab. The last question is, could you shed a little light on Nowruz? Is it an Iranian culture or is it Islamic? Uh, okay, this is the last question and the time is over, so I give very short answer. Uh, actually, as you know that on Monday uh, we had Nowruz, the first day of the new year. And Nowruz is the beginning of spring, is the beginning of the new year. And it existed in Iran but in also other parts of the world. And we find in our hadith that the Ahlul Bayt alayhimussalam have mentioned something about the virtues of Nowruz and there is also hadith for example that in every Nowruz the hope for Faraj for the delivery for the appearance of Imam Mahdi is renewed or for example there are hadith about historical events that took place in Nowruz previously in previous nations for example or about, for example, some du'as and some actions which are recommended for no rules. So, it is something which existed in Iranian culture, in Persian culture, but also something which has some links with 
other cultures and civilizations and in particular with the religious tradition whether Islamic tradition or in the time of the previous prophets and I personally think that maybe Islam wanted to orient or reorient this important time of the year which is time of revival of the nature uh, in the way that it can have religious also and a spiritual significance and this is something that is a characteristic of Islam that when there are different cultural elements which have no bad outcomes which are not against Islamic values Islam may recognize them and may reorient them in the way that suits the human interest so in any case Nowruz is something which is not rejected by Ahlul Bayt and indeed in some hadith which are well known and for example some of them are mentioned you know by Sheikh Abbas but in also major collections of hadith there are some recommendations about Nowruz and some praise of Nowruz so I think we should be respectful of Nowruz but not you know giving that much significance to those aspects of Nowruz which are not uh, Islamically you know, very important to give the major focus and major attention to those aspects which are Islamically very important the revival of the nature and thinking about resurrection the revival of hope and vitality to get ready for the reappearance of Imam Zaman to renew our ties of brotherhood and sisterhood by visiting each other to be thinking about the environment and lots of good other you know things that exist in the culture of Nowruz but to also be very sure that we don't want just to imitate you know anything that people do uh, without knowing why they do this or you know without thinking about uh, the Islamic you know requirements so we have to be very careful about the Islamic requirements thank you very much for your patience I think uh, especially tonight uh, you were very patient because we had some technical problems so inshallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would enable us to you know get uh, rid of these problems inshallah soon but anyway we have to make the best out of what we have available uh,